listening to episode 239 of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Daigle. This week, we have a continuation of last week's episode, so hopefully you check that out. Episode 238. Go give that a listen first if you haven't listened to uh, if you haven't listened to it yet. Otherwise, this second half might not make a ton of sense. Either way, we're continuing with Jason Rudolph, who works on the Atom team at GitHub, um, the hackable text editor. And he's talking about the recent project they just released in beta, which is called Teletype, which is real-time collaboration in Atom. It's really cool. Uh, we spent a fair bit of time talking last week just around the sort of beginnings and vision and why and what's going on. And now we get into a bit more of the nitty gritty and the open source side. So if this real time stuff with Adam sounds really interesting to you, but you're a Vimmer or you use Sublime or something that's not really Adam, uh, we spend a fair bit of time talking about how um, the Adam team open sourced uh, basically all the nuts and bolts that you would need to bring real time collaboration to whatever your editor of choice is. So, um, there's a lot in this episode. Thank you so much again to Jason Rudolph for giving me the time to talk and our episode went really long. So I chopped this up into two. I'd love to hear what you think about chopping up interviews like this. Um, Sometimes interviews go a little bit long and I'm not never really sure to release a big Mondo episode or not. So hit me up on Twitter at KDaigle. Otherwise, I'm off on a family vacation. Uh, so I want to get this out a little bit early. I know this isn't the normal time that we release episodes, but uh, I wanted to get this out before I hit the road. Uh, so have a great week, everyone. Uh, let me know what you think of this interview. Let's not waste any more time. On to the interview with Jason Rudolph. <laughs> So we were just talking about how many people can be in the document, but I realized that we hadn't really talked about the content itself. So I pass a portal, I open up a file, am I able to see, uh, is there still a concept of driving when it comes to like what content is visible? How does the content move around? Because at some point I thought maybe it was using, you know, like the, the actual GitHub repository, maybe we all had to have it cloned and um, I'm not sure. I'd be curious to hear sort of how that experience works. If, if it can do more than just a file, um, you know, how that works. Yeah, great question. Uh, so yes, it definitely can do more than just a file. Uh, so the way it works presently is that there there's a host for the portal i mentioned the idea of me saying that i wanted to share a portal and then sending that port or sharing that portal id with you and having you join it you or several guests yep. for example uh, and once that's the case um, when i as a host open a particular file inside adam uh, that becomes the file that uh, all of the guests in the portal are also seeing and we can all type. We can type at any different place in the file, of course. Uh, we can have multiple selections. So like if you highlight a line, I will, I will see that that line is highlighted. Um, and you also see a representation of the participants' avatars inside uh, the editor as well. Um, so if, you, if one person were to go off screen up toward the top of the file, I'd see that person's avatar go up screen um, to let me know that they're not looking at the same portion of the file that I am. And for example, I could click on their avatar to go straight to where they are and to, uh, to start following them. This, this is a notion that, and this is driving it out of us using the feature ourselves. Um, even though I was pushing back against that passenger driver dynamic, it's more that I'm pushing it back against it being static for the life of the collaboration session. There are times when it's helpful to have somebody be the driver and for somebody else to uh, to just follow along. 
So for example, I could click on your avatar and you could take me to line 42 and say, well, Jason, let's look at this method here, see what it does. Oh, where is it called? Okay, well, it's called down here on line 150. And so you go down to line 150 and my screen automatically scrolls to where you are to make sure that like, awesome. you know, we're talking about something together. So that's cool. And that's within one file. Um, but of course, a major difference between building software and collaborating on a document uh, is that we, we work on a ton of files, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and so as the host moves between files, the guests move to the new files as well. Um, so if, for example, we were working on repository.rb together, for example, if we're working on the model and then you're the host and you decide to go over to um, uh, to a test, you might open up a new tab, which is repository test RB. Uh, and so now you've got both of those tabs open. For me, as a guest, the, the portal tab that I was looking at, the contents of it just swap out. And so now I'm looking at the test instead. Um, so from a guest side of things, uh, it's always like the current file that we're working on, mm -hmm. but the host has the freedom to... Uh, to move between files and they don't have to be uh, in a repository. They, they don't have to be hosted on GitHub. Of course, that'd be great if they were. Uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, honestly, often, it's often the case that we're just planning out um, our next steps. Uh, we're all in different time zones. So uh, we'll work together for a little while and then, um, you know, somebody will sign off because it's, you know, end of the day in Italy and, and I'll keep going, for example. And we'll often uh, work in just a scratch document that's maybe just saved to my desktop talking about what the next steps are uh, for the next few hours. And we we appreciate the, uh, the ability to collaborate on those types of things without having the overhead of saying, okay, well, let me push this up to some centralized server and then you pull it down and then we'll iterate. Now, these ad hoc collaboration sessions are uh, are much nicer and much more frequent without that, that friction being there. Is there any, um, in the, in a future state, like would it fit your vision to have that be a bit more, um, uh, uh, extensive wherein I could, you know, command T or whatever and, and go and search for a file and say, Oh yeah, no, this is the file. If I was a guest or is the idea that essentially, you know, um, uh, that there's a there's a, a a product reason to keep it in this sort of uh, you know portal view uh, uh, paradigm that Teletype currently has. Yeah, I mentioned that we had been using Teletype to build Teletype, um, and I think that story helps get to the answer uh, of the question that that you're asking here. Um, so let me give you a quick a quick run through of uh, of sort of how things have progressed along those lines. Um, so the, the core part of Teletype um, from a computer science standpoint uh, that handles how you can type some characters and I can type some characters, and even if your characters arrive in a different order um, than my characters, that we all converge in the same state, that's all handled by a repository called, a library called Teletype-CRDT for conflict-free replicated data types. So uh, Nathan Sobo and Antonio Scandura uh, spent a few weeks working just on that, and you know they were using their uh, their pre-teletype uh, means of collaborating across 
oceans uh, during that time. <laughs> carrier pigeon. Uh, <laughs> carrier pigeon, yeah. Uh, the latency is really, it's really, really something. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but within about, uh, you know, once we had the core of that, um, that text convergence uh, library in place, uh, we were probably only about another week or two into writing um, the shell of a client and then a shell of uh, a way of binding that client to Atom. And then after that, every single day was using Teletype to build Teletype. And because it was so lean then, uh, each day was an exercise in saying, oh my goodness, what is the worst thing about using this? Because uh, there was a long list of things that were terrible about using it. It was always like, uh, what could we do next to make this mildly more tolerable? Uh, <laughs> and and we just kept layering that on. And so at first it was just one file that, that the two of us, you know, that two people were working on. And you couldn't even see, I couldn't see where your cursor was. You couldn't see where mine was. I couldn't see your selections things like that. Um, and we, we just kept uh, building on that, adding the ability for uh, you to see my selections, me to see your cursors, um, the ability for us to sign in with our GitHub identity and announce like, oh, Kyle Daigle has joined your portal, things like that. The ability for the host to move, uh, to move between files. And once we were at a point where um, we, it was clear to us uh, that this was useful. Of course, we had been using it to build it. Um, so that, <laughs> that sort of proves that there's some utility to it. We said, all right, let's put this out there as a beta and start getting feedback um, on, on what we've got. And we always thought that we would, it wouldn't be long before we needed to uh, add the ability for a guest uh, in the portal to uh, to work with multiple files and to not just be tied to the host. And that's something that honestly, like we have wanted it ourselves for yeah. several months. Um, but it hasn't raised, it was never to that level of this is the next most essential thing. Um, we could, we could get by without it. Uh, and so we launched it a week ago today. And uh, the last time I looked, I think this was uh, Monday morning the request for the the guests to be able to have uh, access to multiple files from the host had an order of magnitude more votes on it on GitHub <laughs> uh, than anything else. Uh, and that's, frankly, that's not a surprise to us. Um, so that's that's a long way of answering, <laughs> answering your question, uh, but it's very much something uh, that we want to do. Not only is it something we want to do, it's something Antonio and I have spent uh, the morning working on, uh, it's three o'clock my time now. And he, and he's off for the day, uh, because it's, you know, 9 PM in Italy Yeah, yeah time <laughs> zones. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we were using teletype today to work on, uh, the, the a future state where, um, basically any file that the host has open in their workspace, uh, would be accessible to the guest. Um, and if somebody wants to just follow the host around, they can certainly do that. Uh, but you would also have the freedom to, um, to, to work on other files that the host has open. And I should say this is, a, this is also something we see as a staged approach. Um, this is a model where uh, it's the 
the host having files open in their editor determines the working set of files uh, that guests in the portal can see. And we think that will be just a big improvement and will solve a, a lot of the needs that people have. Uh, beyond that, I think there is there's certainly room for the notion of really sharing an entire project, yeah. and maybe that project is a is a repository that's hosted somewhere. Um, that's probably the case. Uh, maybe it's something that's just on my local disk, and and I have to find a way to synchronize it with the other participants. Uh, th- that remains to be seen, but um, I do imagine us getting there in the future. I'm curious, like, uh, you know, to your earlier point, sort of around screen sharing and, and, and that way of working and then moving to this where it's in your text editor, you know, it, it seems to me that one of the big reasons why that this would be such a highly regarded um, uh, or, or highly requested rather, uh, you know, ask after launch and just a, like you said, just a week ago is like the the interface like the experience that i'm having is with my editor and i'm used to like a certain amount of things that i can do you know Mm -hmm. um and and so i'm curious uh either like vision wise or you know um or other things that you've seen uh, are there other things that that have come up that have surprised you in that you know you 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 obviously you and the team obviously had a vision for where you wanted this to go but i think a lot like most people looking at this their gut reaction is um, insert screen sharing tool here, uh, screen hero or zoom or whatever. Uh, I'm using that. And now could I use this? Like once people, once we, once you got people using teletype and in Adam and in their text editor, giving this a go, um, are there other things that people have been asking for or that you even have experienced that sort of surprised you like, Oh, we're, we're going to need this. And I wouldn't have wanted this in these other tools, but I sort of need it because I'm in my text editor. Having the beta out there has been uh, really validating. I wouldn't say that there's anything that surprised me. Um, the things that people have been asking for are things that uh, that we ourselves have wanted, but it's been very helpful from a prioritization standpoint to see mm-hmm. which things resonate with people most. Um, so... Uh, I mean, one of the things that that is really helpful to me to hit on that's different, you, you brought it up, like you're inside your text editor and you're used to being able to do these things. One of the things that I absolutely love about this idea of collaborating from my text editor as opposed to screen sharing or as opposed to any other um, experiences uh, of collaboration in the past, even if you and I are sitting side by side, um, co-located in uh, in Connecticut in a coffee shop and we're working you know, on your laptop. Or even if we had a Mac Mini or something like that set up where we each had a keyboard and we each have a screen. In that system, we're still choosing uh, to use your key bindings, to use your yeah. theme, to yeah. use your, uh, you know, your font that you prefer. And you know, it's just, it's so nice to be able to, um, uh, with, with teletype and, uh, this would be another reason that it'd be great to extend it to even other editors is, uh, it's often the case that it's the evening where Antonio is. And so he switched to a dark theme to sort of wind down his day. I've got a glare in my office, so I need a light theme. Uh, I've got it on a 27 inch monitor, uh, with the, with the font cranked up. He likes a small monitor uh, with a different font and different keyboard shortcuts. One of us could be using Vim mode while the other one's uh, just using, you know, traditional QWERTY keystrokes. And and that's fine. 
because we're just yeah. sharing text and selections. Uh, so that's amazing. Um, as far as like more beyond your text editor, I mean, there's certainly the ability like this fuzzy finder of you being able to just say, show me this other file and not just seeing the things that are on my system, but seeing the things that the, the portal host is sharing with me and being able to choose those files and open them, I think is important. Um, it's still the case that when two people are programming, they almost always need to be talking at the same time as yeah. well. And so our fallback has been to uh, Slack uh, Slack calls. I mean, it could be Skype, it could be Hangouts, whatever. Um, but the fact that we're using WebRTC for the collaboration, um, I think it would be really amazing to integrate uh, voice or yeah. audio into, into this. And there's not really any reason that we couldn't. Um, and then, of course, the... Writing code is a huge part of um, of software, like collaborating on the text is a huge part of software. Uh, but you often want to, like let's say you're working on an iOS app, you probably have a an iOS simulator that you want to run it in, and it'd be nice to be able to uh, have everybody that's participating be able to see what's going on in that simulator. Um, our fallback for that has usually been for one person to to still do screen sharing uh, for those things that aren't obviously uh, a fit in the text editor. Uh, but again, because it's WebRTC, you know there could become there could be a future where we're able to bake that sort of screen sharing straight into the experience as well. Hey everyone, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our sponsors this week. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored in part by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step -step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. It's really simple. I had a box a couple weeks ago and it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, the meal was delicious. You choose a delivery day that works best for your schedule and you can pause the account if you travel for work like I do uh, so you don't need to worry about getting these meals while you're gone. Uh, all the ingredients come pre-measured in these handy labeled uh, meal kits in these brown bags so you know um, exactly which ingredients go with which recipes. And in the kit that I got, you actually get things actually really pre-portioned. So if you need a clove of garlic, you get a clove of garlic. Uh, and I found that really useful. And you can recycle all of the um, uh, containers as well as the insulated packaging as well. Uh, HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And there's three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. Classic contains a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. Veggie is vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, grains and seasonal produce in family which are quick and easy meals with all the yum worthy flavor that the whole family will love um, I really love how quick these meals are. They're very simple. You don't need to spend all night in the kitchen because each recipe only takes about 30 minutes. There's lots of one pot recipes. I, I did a chili recipe, which was really delicious. And then each week there's even a 20 minute meal on the classic menu. So when you don't have a lot of time, you pick up the kids, you get home from work, uh, you can have a really delicious meal and you're not required to, um, uh, you know, spend hours and hours of time. Uh, the best recipe, like I said, that I really enjoyed was uh, the chili, uh, but while I was traveling, my wife also cooked one of the meals, uh, and she said she really loved it as well. Uh, I've, I've tried a bunch of these services before, but having everything truly pre-portioned was really valuable, and not having to spend an hour and a half chopping up a million different ingredients in order to have a very yummy meal. 
For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code RAILS30. Thank you so much to HelloFresh. The Ruby on Rails podcast is also sponsored in part by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean just launched Spaces, a beautifully simple object storage service designed for developers who want a simple way to store and serve a vast amount of data. That can include things like web assets, acting like an origin for CDNs, storing user-generated content such as images and large media files, archiving backups in the cloud, and storing logs. This has been built for developers, so they've simplified the essentials of object storage to save you time. All you do is name your space, tap create, and then you're ready to go in seconds. Or you can just use your favorite storage management tools and libraries. A large ecosystem of S3 compatible tools and libraries can be used to help you manage your space. They've also simplified pricing, so no more do you have to worry about all the different types of costs that you're going to have. Spaces is available for a simple $5 per month price, which includes 250 gigabytes of storage and one terabyte of outbound bandwidth. There are no costs per request, and additional storage is priced at the lowest rate available, one cent per gigabyte transferred and two cents per gigabyte stored. Uploads are free. Spaces provide cool saving, excuse me, cost savings of up to 10 times, along with predictable pricing and no surprises on your monthly bill. To make it easy to try for both new and existing DigitalOcean customers, you can start today with a free two-month trial of Spaces by going to do.co slash Ruby. Thank you so much to DigitalOcean for supporting the show. This episode is also sponsored in part by Rollbar. I'm excited to tell you about Rollbar. We've talked about them a bunch on the podcast. Errors are the bane of all of the apps that we build. Um, they are, are very difficult to debug when users are reporting them unless you have a tool like Rollbar. With Rollbar's error monitoring, you get the full stack trace, context, and user data to help you find and fix impactful errors super fast. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, send error alerts to Slack or HipChat, or automatically create new issues in Jira Pivotal Tracker or Charlo. Adding the Rollbar Ruby SDK is as easy as gem install Rollbar, start tracking application errors in minutes. A few cool features of the Rollbar Ruby uh, gem, you can send all the request data from Rack Frameworks. You can also uh, very easily connect to queue frameworks like Sidekick, Rescue, and Delayed Job. You can configure Rollbar's front-end JavaScript SDK without having to install it manually. And of course, I mention this every time, my favorite feature, deep link your GitHub repos to your stack traces in Rollbar. We have a special offer for listeners. Go to rollbar.com slash Ruby. Sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. You can go to rollbar.com slash Ruby. Sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors. And now back to Jason. Yeah, I mean, personally, the thing the thing that I'm most excited about of this uh, future potentially kind of lies a, a fair bit in the open source side, um, mm -hmm. because I do work with a lot of people that don't use Atom, you know, and, and if you're if you're the type of person that uh, um, uh, that has really dedicated themselves to a tool and has sharpened it to the point where, you know, you are really getting everything you want out of that, um, you know, switch, switching to Atom to get the real time collaboration is kind of not really you know, potentially something that you're interested in. Not, not to say that you couldn't do mm -hmm. the same sharpening, blah, blah, blah. But you know, if it does, if it's not broken, why, why move? So the thing mm -hmm. I'm interested in for sure is I can be in my stupid dumb, like, because I do not do much sharpening to be blunt. Like, cause I really, really value the ability to just to say, Hey, take a look at this. Like, and 
you know, pass, pass it over, uh, and not sort of, like you said, uh, think you know vim and then go into someone else's vim and you don't know their vim and so what does it matter you can't do much and then you're sort of like just dictating everything so the ability for me to work with a colleague that's in vim you know everyone's using their preferred setup sublime or whatever and still being able to have this general you know uh way to collaborate uh like even even the way it is now with just a single file would be I, I think kind of revolutionary, uh, to be honest, you know, uh, cause I do think the cool thing here is like you said, everyone's bringing their own, their own thing. They're, they're bringing them to, you know, the experience of writing code and not either trying to learn the thing that the driver or the host is doing, uh, learn the tool, learn the bindings or, um, agreeing on a lowest common denominator set of bindings or tools or whatever that everyone is forced to use. Um, I think, I think, you know, for, for folks that do a lot of pairing already, um, this will be huge. And then for folks that only do a little bit, uh, you know, even then it's, it's still a big deal, but I think that relies on the stuff that you all have open source. So you mentioned a couple different, um, uh, packages or, or libraries that you've open sourced. I'm curious, um, you know, if there's any highlights in there or if there's like an overall strategy, uh, that you all are taking when it comes to, you know, what, what you're putting out into the world, knowing that, you know, Adam itself is open source. I lost a bunch of that, Kyle. I'm sorry. sorry. I think the internet is. <laughs> we see this peer-to-peer technology ain't working out so great. Conspiring against us. Um, yeah, I was just saying, uh, with with uh, with the open source work that you all are doing, um, what what is something that you uh, are you know sort of most excited about with this, or or you know, can you describe at least the the vision that you all have? had with what to open source with teletype and um this sort of collaboration work that you've been doing so i missed a little bit of that but i think the question was focusing around um the uh the various open source libraries the pieces that are out there that people could explore is that right yep okay yeah so right now there uh, i will say that everything is open source there's there's no part of teletype including the server that is not open source um so there are four main repositories all that live inside the atom org uh on github um i I talked earlier about the conflict-free replicated data type library uh so that's its own that's at atom slash teletype dash crdt that's one of the four uh, there's also the teletype client, so Adam slash teletype dash client. And that's where the majority of the domain concepts live. And that's the editor agnostic client library. So it's written in JavaScript, uh, which makes it easy to um, uh, integrate with something like Atom. You, it would also be really easy to integrate it with something like Visual Studio Code, for example. Uh, that's where the WebRTC uh, integration is taking place, and you won't find any references to Atom inside Teletype Client. It's absolutely intended to be editor agnostic. Um, it'd probably be a little bit harder to uh, to bring that directly into um, something like Sublime or Eclipse, uh, just because you don't have the, I, I think Sublime uses Python, I think Eclipse uses yeah. Java. Um, so that's probably a little bit more of a challenge. Plus the WebRTC stuff uh, is clearly dependent on uh, on having some browser technologies available, although you could probably spin up a, a small server, uh, a small node server or something like that to, to handle some of that in, um, 
in a non-JavaScript-based editor. Um, so that's Teletype client. And then there's the Atom package itself, which is at Atom slash Teletype on GitHub. And it's really all about just taking the concepts that are unique to Atom and binding them to the editor agnostic library. So for example, uh, take hooking into the status bar API in Atom, uh, which is clearly not something that's editor agnostic. Yes, other editors might have a status bar, but they probably have a different API for interacting with it. So, so hooking into Atom's API for working with the status bar and tying that to the client uh, or the editor agnostic library. So that's in Teletype. And that, that really is just things that are strictly about mm, gluing it to Atom. Um, you know, working with Atom's notification system, rendering an avatar inside the Atom UI, things like that. Uh, and then the last part is the server, uh, which is this tiny Express.js server uh, at Atom slash teletype dash server. Um, and it's just the API, the RESTful API. Sorry, no GraphQL yet, Kyle. Pull, re <laughs> pull, pull request welcome um, for um, allowing that peer discovery and uh, identifying yourself and uh, getting notified if a ver if the protocol has changed or something like that. Um, you know, versioning versioning protocols and APIs is hard. I don't I don't know if you have any experience with that. Yeah, just, it can be a bit of a touch. challenge. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's just that's just this tiny little Express JS app. But even that um, is is open source. Uh, I mean, honestly, like one of the things that I really love about that is it, it makes it very clear. Like, if anyone were to have any concerns about uh, the privacy side of things, like what data is getting saved to the database, what data isn't, like it, it's all right there. Yeah. Um, which I'm, I'm, I'm really proud to be the case. Yeah. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there was an internal post about this, but, uh, but about, uh, the CRDT library in part be allowing, uh, like one little nifty feature of, you know, everyone maintaining their own, um, uh, clipboard. I'm not sure if that's that or, or one of the pieces, but I felt like that was like a very interesting, like, again, little additional, add that you don't get with the rest of uh mo or I, I feel like most if not all of the screen sharing tools that we've used right now because you actually are you and not uh you know not not sharing state on someone's computer yeah that's, that's an interesting point uh it's not the clipboard it's the undo stack uh, Sorry, of course undo stack. Uh, yeah of course because you're on your laptop and i'm on uh my laptop like i've got my clipboard and, and you've got your clipboard um, but in, in the early days, uh, when we were, when things were especially painful and we were trying to decide what was the worst <laughs> thing about teletype today, uh, you don't realize like how often you hit command Z or control Z to, to undo something, uh, until you start undoing somebody else's stuff. Uh, like if, <laughs> uh, if I'm, you know, if I'm on line 20 and I'm writing something and you're up on line five and writing something. I mean, I'm just typing command Z all the time to go back a few characters to fix a typo or something like that. Uh, and if we only have one undo stack, that's, that's really annoying. Yeah. Uh, it's annoying to you because I'm undoing your stuff. It's annoying to me because I'm not undoing my stuff. Like I meant <laughs> to be undoing my stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, part of what, um, Nathan and Antonio built into Teletype CRDT is this notion of uh, everybody having their own undo stack. Um, and that's just been, it's been really fantastic from a usability perspective. Uh, and then also opened up um, 
the public API in Atom to provide for uh, uh, custom history providers. And so we were able to, like when you're collaborating, take teletype and use the uh, the CRDT as the history provider in that situation, uh, just so that each person gets their own undo stack. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm 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 ho- I'm hopeful. I'm so hopeful though I will not be this person that, you know, this can this can become um something that other uh, libraries can use even if it's just a pluggable option, you know, and not not the only one either way I think would be I think would be super great. Um yeah, so I'm curious now then uh, to sort of wrap up a little bit. You know, you mentioned the the, the vision that you all had and this being the opening uh, the opening volley. Um, I'm curious personally for you, what what are you sort of most interested in either solving or exploring in the coming you know weeks and months with this um, now that it's out in the wild? Honestly, this has just been a dream come true to me to be able to uh, work day in and day out on the editor that I would have been spending my nights and weekends working on anyway. Yeah. Can you expand uh, on that just slightly? Cause I know, I know like uh, I made a kind of reference to tool sharpening earlier, but I feel like it, I feel like it's worth sharing some context around your, I would describe it as personal passion to ensure that the tools you're using are providing you the most value in the shortest amount of time. I don't know if that's a fair state. Like that might be a little reductive, but uh, I think that's, I think that colors <laughs> a lot of what you're talking about here. I would just say, like, I'm really passionate about uh, having sharp, productive tools. Um, I, I mean, that's a metaphor that we're using, right? Um, but <laughs> making sure that uh, uh, that my editor is helping me be as productive as possible, looking at repetitive tasks or areas of friction on a day-to-day basis and trying to remove those. And uh, because you and I have been working together for, um, you know, coming up on five years now, you've seen me uh, do that by building Atom packages uh, on nights or weekends or uh, hacking on um, some bizarro keyboard setup so that I can, uh, you know, use my, use my Vim keys in every single application, (laughs) whether it's the Finder or Chrome or Atom or uh, probably uh, Apple Photos too probably. Uh, um, so this is just, yeah, it's just something that I, that I really care about and enjoy doing. And I especially appreciate, uh, the open source part of it. Um, uh, I love being able to take something and, uh, and share it in an open source fashion. And I, and I think one of the, the biggest joys for me is just building something and see, seeing other people use it. And of course, we got that from uh, several several years of working on the GitHub API, build stuff, ship it. Uh, you know, building the search API for GitHub was uh, was a lot of fun and uh, solved so many problems um, and, and provided like self discovery. Uh, it, it allowed people to answer questions um, that we didn't even know they had. <laughs> so I love that kind of flexibility. Uh, so building things for other people is just a passion of mine. Um, and one of the things that was especially uh, awesome to me is because uh, I was able to work on Adam, this editor that I that I really enjoy and have been working on in my free time anyway, and I'm able to uh, do it with some really smart people that I'm getting to learn from. Uh, I definitely feel like the worst player in the band, uh, which I think is a, a is a great place to be. Um, and to get to do that uh, day in and day out and then share it with the world is just is so exciting to me. 
Um, the fact that Atom is free and open source uh, just means that more people get to use it. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. It feels like, in many ways, it feels just like a happy accident to me. Like, how did, how is it that I got to work on this thing that's free and open source? How did, how is it that I get to work on this thing that um, is just available to anybody to try uh, that that wants to try it? Um, it just yeah, brings me so much joy. Um, so, what am I interested in doing? Yeah, just anything that gets more people excited about it. And honestly, I think continuing to um, uh, look at the things that are causing us the most friction in trying to use it and um, balancing that with the feedback that we're getting from the community is is the way to meet that goal. Awesome. Um, so I'm hoping folks are convinced at this point. And so because <laughs> uh, so if they are and they want to go uh, give uh, Teletype a whirl, um, What's the best thing for them to do? The, the website, can they just do, you know, the keystroke to do a package install? How does that work? Yeah, I would say the best place to go is teletype.atom.io. So uh, teletype is T-E-L-E-T-Y-P-E dot atom, A-T-O-M dot I-O. Uh, that's going to tell you uh, all about the package itself. Uh, if you don't already have Atom, it's going to give you links to get Atom on your platform, whether it's Windows or Ubuntu, Mac, whatever, uh, and also give you instructions on how to install it and give you some pointers for sharing your first portal as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm I'm so happy we were able to make this work. Um, I'm excited to have you back in a couple months when you inevitably show off when you take your roadster out of Atom <laughs> or whatever the next uh, the next thing is for the Atom and Teletype uh, uh, work that you're doing. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to be able to talk to you about it.